Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Achtung Millwall supports the Lions Food Hub. This is a friendly local food hub. It's based in Bermondsey. It's run by our very own Kelly Webster of the Mill Lionesses, a very well-known Millwall fan. They do need supplies, dear listeners. Before we get into the show today, they have posted they need tinned meat, they need toiletries, they need soup, they need tinned fruit and veg. If you can help in any way, they are on Twitter, at Lions Food Hub. DM them, you can DM me at Actor Millwall, and I will pass on any help and information that we can lions food hub at lions food hub thank you for listening now back to the show you're listening to after Moore, broadcasting from the beautiful south berlin except no substitute hello dear listeners welcome to a lovely sunny afternoon my name is nick hart you are listening to a, a roundup edition, odds and sods edition of Achtung Millwall. Um, I am staring, dear listener, at a copy of my Daily Mirror, which announces in splash headlines on the back page, the date escape. The government have announced dates, provisional dates, subject to events, dear boy. But provisional dates for the return of fans to sport and, and hopefully the opening up of the country. Obviously, everyone's looking at June the 21st as a, as a day of um, like a Roman Empire-style Saturnalia where everyone goes out and gets absolutely slaughtered, drunk, on the 21st of June. But ahead of that, um, May the 17th has been circled by the government as a possible date for the return of fans to live sport. Now, the mill season, of course, football season, uh, will be ended by May the 8th. But I suppose that does leave open, if we can dare to dream a moment, the possibility of playoff football with fans. I'd imagine, and I have no special insight, and nor does the journalist writing this story in the Daily Mirror, as to what that might be. I mean, they're talking about a quarter um, of the capacity of, of grounds, but that would still be a lot better than zero, as we have at the moment, dear listeners, won't it? Um, so, yeah, hope is on the horizon. The chance to get back in is, is also speculating on... Uh, after June the 21st, the European Championships could be played in England. Wembley could be available. And it's journal speculation of 90,000 fans just 24 hours after the 21st, Midsummer's release. 
with a game against the Czech Republic in the Euros. Who knows? Um, it's nice to be able to think in these terms. Um, obviously, the new season in August will be when it really begins. Um, a lot of clubs, as we said on the previous show, a lot of clubs, including our own dear Lions, would be desperate to get an income flow coming back in. I'm really looking forward to my first game back at the Den. I've got a sense it's going to be a bit of an emotional experience. This will be, by that stage, presuming we don't make the playoffs, as um, you know, we'll come on to that shortly, but that will be, you know, you know, a year and a half by that stage that we've not physically been able to go to watch the Lions. So who knows? But it's good news. Daily Mirror, back page, the date escape. Now, ahead of any um, dreaming of playoff football, we do have to consider the Mill injury list. This this uh, show is being recorded ahead of tonight's game at Luton Town. So by the time you get to hear it, you, I might get it on today, if not tomorrow. Um, but we you know the result of the away game at Luton. But the uh, news at Den is reporting that Mill are set, set to be still without Conor Mahoney and Michael Keefton belts against Luton on Tuesday night. It's a very long list. Jake Cooper is uh, described as having had shoulder dislocation. Some interesting um, quotes here from Gary Rowett. Uh, Cooper's going to go and see the specialist on Monday. That will be yesterday, as I recall this. So hopefully... Um, Maybe it's next Monday, actually. Coopy's going to go and see the specialist Monday, so I'm going to guess that's next Monday, actually. So hopefully we'll have a bit more information, says Rowett. My expectation is that he'll need an operation, and anything other than that is going to be a short-term bonus. But long-term, he's going to need an operation anyway. Um, he feels a bit better. That doesn't mean an awful lot for the minute. He'll be out for Luton, so definitely not playing tonight. And like previously, when it settles down, and if by a miracle we get news he could carry on for a period, then that's great. I don't anticipate that to be the case, says Gary Rowett. After, um, he's seen players in his time and his career do this injury a few times in a season and come back after each go. But it's usually the same injury, he says, popping out the same way. This is a different injury. That doesn't make much sense to me, that sentence. But anyway, that will probably lead to a different prognosis. Um, if, he's, if Jake's got a problem with his shoulder, he has had it previously, and it cannot be good for you to keep suffering a dislocated shoulder, and as much as I'm sure Jake will want to play, it's going to be in his own personal long-term interest to get it sorted out. So um, good luck to him on that. I think we're going to have to make do without Jake, which leads, leads us into the um, the Alex Pierce debate, doesn't it, dear listeners? Um, my thoughts on Pierce is that he's clearly slow and a lot slower than, and a lot less of, a, of an obstacle than, than Jake Cooper would be. He is our most experienced defender. He does lack for pace, as many, many listeners will be um, only too aware. Um, I can't see anyone else starting in his in front of him. When we're talking about Hayden Muller, the youngster, um, who's been touted by a few as, 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 a, as a good one to start. I think Hayden will not start until or unless player football is a total non-starter for the season. I think all the time we're in with a shout... I cannot believe that Alex Pierce will not start in, in the centre of defence. Now, many will say, well, you know, that prospect will lead us not to be in contention for the playoffs, so we may as well put Muller in. But I think until matters are settled, um, Gary Rowett is a football man, a percentage man. He's going to go with experience. And I'm just thinking back to last Saturday against um, against Wickham, which was a fairly full-on physical experience, it would be it would be a tough ask to pitch a kid into that into that environment. With a, you know, still at stake, there is the chance, even if it is an outside shot, 
of a chance of Premier League football uh, next season. So I think all the time that's on the table, then I don't see any change other than now Hutch and Pierce at the start at the central defence. Do tell me what you think, dear listeners. And tell me via email. We'd, we'd love to hear from. I've got a few emails to run through on this roundup show, this this show of odds and sods, odds and ends. Um, our email address is Millwall at gmail.com. Millwall at gmail.com. Um, do get in touch with us. I'd love to hear from people. People have, have DM'd me, DM direct message me on Twitter. That's good. Any message, really. Instagram. We're on Instagram. Nick Hart 765 on Instagram. Um, but get in touch with us. If you want to make any points or get any messages across to your fellow fans, then um, feel free. I'm, I'm, it's always good to hear from people. Um, and we have had messages from one of our regular correspondents, Mike Bissaker. Huge thank you to Mike, who's contacted me following um, the recent show I did about the Peterborough game. There was footage on YouTube of ancient footage, ancient history from the year I was born, 1960. Old BBC TV footage of a game, Mill versus Peterborough, from that Division 4 season. And Mike says he can remember the Peterborough game well. This was a 4-3 win for the Lions when Peterborough would go on to win the 1960-61 Division 4 Championship. And Mike was there. I didn't know you were that old, Mike. Blimey. Um, in those days, I used to go every Saturday, first team one week, he says, and then reserves the next. I would, they'd alternate one week and then reserve football next. That's quite a nice idea. I quite like that. So he saw a lot of different players at that time. In the, watching the footage, Mike noticed that nobody was sat on the wall. As I remember, it depended on the coppers who were on duty. Some coppers would let you sit on the wall providing your legs weren't on the pitch side and others wouldn't let you. From the footage, it looked like the crowd invasions would soon put a stop to that. Kids would run on the pitch after each goal, um, which um, you know provoked some fairly hysterical commentary from, uh, I think that might have been Kenneth Wollstenholm and that. Um, I highlighted two players on the show, Reg Davis and Alf Ackerman. More about them later, says Mike. Others in that team who were special were the Brady brothers, Joe Broadfoot, Mike mentions, who I vaguely knew as a friend of a friend. Probably our best player of all, Peter Burridge. He was a very good goal scorer, not a centre forward, more like a number 10 in modern modern uh, terms. But Peter Burridge was a very fine player, Mike says, one of the best goal scorers I've seen. Alf Ackerman, who played centre forward and who we did mention on the, um, the review show, was not a conventional striker either. Very skillful, not particularly quick, says Mike. Quite a crafty player an eye for goal and an eye for a defence-splitting pass. Then he comes back to Reg Davis. Now, he was Mike's favourite player in that team. He was in goal. He played at a time when goalkeepers were not protected. I saw a visiting keeper barged into the net on one occasion. Fair shoulder charge, admittedly. And the goal stood. Can you imagine that happening now, Mike asks. No, no, you can't imagine that now. That was a very different era of football. Um, nobody did that to Reg, though. Not to Reg Davis. He was solid in the Harry Cripps mould. Not a big man, but agile and a good shot stopper. A good shot stopper. But above all, he was brutal. Always a good quality to have down a den, Mike. Being brutal. You can't get away with for long unless you're brutal. Um, on more than one occasion, Mike saw him come across to, uh, to punch across, but having missed it, carry on with a punch. And Polax, the opposition striker. Those were the days, says Mike. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Mike. That is wonderful stuff. More, more of those, I think, Mike. I think that's the kind of thing that I love to, love to read. And what a character Reg Davis sounds like. Another email here from Sam Michi, or is it Michi? I don't know how to say this, your surname, Sam. 
I'm going to go with Mitchie. I hope that's correct. Um, this is Sam's written just on the on the after the Birmingham game. He could get used to this. He says three wins on the bounce. We are going to try and beat Manchester City's run of consecutive victories. Well, that didn't work out, Sam. Unfortunately, um, it wasn't a game for the purist, but a good win. Um, the sort of game we'd have lost or drawn earlier in the season. The ref did his best to help Brum stay in it. Um, and shame about Cooper. But he go Sam will go with Muller instead of Pierce. Um, it's an interesting question, um, Sam, and you know, I've touched on it already, so I won't overdo that. But um I think Pierce will be the percentage choice by the football man, and I I, I just can't see Gary Rowett changing that. Um, Sam wanted to let us all know that he's never forgiven Gareth Ainsworth for Wickham last Saturday for what he did to Tony Craig. Uh, generally speaking, again, ahead of the um, the Wickham game, says team spirit seems back had to be back and good. Um, so have it hopefully for a good go at it next year. Huge thank you for that email from Sam Mitchie. Um, much appreciated there, Sam. And finally, an interesting one from John Hedges, who's sent me a couple of links to the TV crime series Unforgotten. Um, now, I hadn't really ever watched this until quite recently when Mrs Hart and I binged on, uh, I think it might have been the last series of, of Unforgotten. It's a, it's a kind of, um, how to describe it, cold case whodunit, um, quite well written, I thought, quite well acted. Sanjeev Bhaskar is, is in it, playing the, the sidekick to actress... Nicola Walker, who plays a DCI Stewart. Um, and in this new series, the reason that he sent the link to me, interestingly, is that series four, which will be the final series of Unforgotten, features a storyline with a discovery of a body, a cold case body, buried beneath a scrap metal yard. Um, they discover on this body a unique Mill football club tattoo that helps them in the story to identify the victim um, who in the in the in the um, drama went missing in 1990 and is then rediscovered in modern times with the uh, the Millwall tattoo? I'm going to be interested to see how they deal with this. the The storyline that I saw in the series, I think it's the third one, the second one, kind of dealt in semi uncomfortable issues. Obviously, murder is uh, lies at the heart of it because there's a body. Um, but I dealt with it in a nice way, and they gave, made the characters, all of whom had their had their sins, but they had their their their, their saviors too. So um, I'm going to be interested to see how they cast this character with his Millwall tattoo. Will they take the easy option route of casting him as your your kind of conventional stereotype of a fan? Or will they round him um, in in any way? Um, is it based on any any real real storyline. I'm thinking here of the tragic, tragic story of Lee Boxall, who went missing in 1988, ahead of the Charlton Nil Mill free game in September 1988, First Division times. Um, a, a case that has always stuck in my head, and maybe it's because it was a game that I was at, and it's, it, the kind of contrast maybe between a beautiful sunny day, a 3-0 win, wonderful, perfect day kind of idea. And then as the news unfolded in the days afterwards, a missing person, youngster, on his way to the game, Mill fan, from memory anyway, um, just got on a train as it seemed at Sutton 
and never got off at the other end. Uh, an utterly tragic case. And it's a case that's always stuck in my mind ever since. Um, the How the family deal with that is beyond the imagination. And um, I, I mean, I don't know the Boxall family at all, but it's always been a case that has um, stuck in my head. And so whether this storyline is intended to be based on any real case, I hope not, but then it's, I suppose you're going to, you're going to have reference points that you have to look at, even if you're writing fiction. So it's going to be an interesting series to watch it unfold. Um, I'm going to watch it in in binge terms once all the all the episodes are on um, uh, iPlayer or whatever or the catch up Sky, and we'll see how they deal with this storyline of a um, an imaginary Mill fan being found underneath a, a scrapyard after many many years. Um, we'll see how it goes. Unforgotten. If you're enjoying Achtung Mill podcast, then why not help us grow the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts? We'd love it, love it, if you visit the Apple link in the show notes and leave us a rating and a review. Achtung Mill is the number one podcast broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey. No show sponsors, no Patreon, and no TikTok accounts. Thank you, dear listeners, and as always, Arrivederci Mill. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Thank you to John for sending that through to me. And finally, one one last one was a... Actually, a series of direct messages, DMs in the jargon. Do you use that term? I do. I kind of hate the term DM, but I kind of use it as well. So This is from Kevin Fuller, another um, correspondent who contacted me, suggesting the Milt uh, tool draw with Forrest um, back in 88, another game back in the first division days, suggested that. And we did do a show on that. Um, he's also asking if I might want to look at a game from the past, 27th of March, 1978, Spurs 3 Millwall for a game I was at 
Kevin. Um, Kevin here says his old man decided that he would go on the morning of the game, got tickets in the Tottenham seats behind a goal. Mill um, rode their luck that day. I can still remember Brian Hamilton crashing in an equaliser at the end we were sitting. It was the I was at the other end, Kevin. I was at the Mill end. And I do remember Brian Hamilton uh, scoring from distance. It was a fantastic goal for three each. I can't remember much else of the game. I, I can remember the journey up there, driving up there. Um, that's about all I can remember. But I went up by train. I tell, I'm telling lies. I went by train to that when I drove up in the first division days. That one I went by train and I got off at White Hart Lane. I think I went up from Liverpool Street. And I can remember, <laughs> I remember the train being bombarded with, with rocks on the way out as we were coming home after a free each draw. I think the Tottenham had taken badly the fact that they'd had their three points stolen from them by a mill comeback. Um, Kevin continues here. Um, me and my old man, who had been holding it in all game, jumped up in the air. All the heads turned towards us. I bet they did. Uh, we then made a quick exit. I bet you did, Kevin. A <laughs> great game. And we also got to see Glenn Hoddle, who was a class above that day. Yes, he was playing. I can't remember the fucking game, apart from Brian Hamilton. So I've forgotten Glenn Hoddle, but I can remember Brian Hamilton. Um, and Kevin also suggests uh, Mill versus Luton in 1974, which is on YouTube. We won 4-2. Um, and he suggests if we think Jake Cooper's overlapping centre-half is new, look at the goal that Kitch gets us there. I did. We touched on that show, Kevin, um, Mill 4, Luton 2, 1974. And I did a show, I think it was with Mike Hayden and 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 Ryan back in the lockdown summer last year. I, I, I might stick the link on next week. I wanted to get a show where uh, they're both younger blokes um, and I wanted to see what they thought of 1970s football. And it was an interesting conversation that we had there. So um, I will stick a link to that on there for yourself and for anyone else that wants to look at it. It's a great game. Um, Trevor Lee, Phil Walker, Barry Kitch, Coldblow Lane under the floodlights. What more can you want? Achtung, Mailball. And finally, in this little rundown, roundup, odds and ends, bits and pieces show, um, I'm just going to cover some notes. I, I, I was going to do one of my random fixtures last week, dear listeners, and I didn't do it. Um, apathy overtook me. Or laziness, as my mum would have said, laziness always been my downfall from school to you know through 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 the rest of my life. Laziness, you could make something of yourself, Nick, if you weren't so lazy. Um, so I've got some notes together um, from last week. This is a random fixture, so it's a little bit after the event now. But I thought, well, as I'm doing this roundup show, I might as well include this. This is a fixture from 1991. 1991, it's a Sunday Mirror, February the 17th, 1991. The headline is Super Ted, Millwall 4, Plymouth 1, and the report is by Phil Styles of the Sunday Mirror. Uh, Teddy Sheringham became the league's leading scorer with a stunning four-goal spectacular. Sheringham now has 25 goals in all competitions this season, and he wrote himself into the Millwall record books, breaking Derek Posse's 79-goal league mark for the Lions. But the big striker was unaware of his feet, says the Mirror. I didn't realise I'd broken the record, said the 24-year-old. Obviously, I'm delighted to get four goals in a match. It's the first time I've done it. I'm pleased to be the Football League's top scorer. I'm enjoying my football very much and we are now on a good run. It's a very tight division and we must keep playing as well as this to go up. Sheringham has seen such star names as Cascarino, 
Carter and Terry Herlock depart from the den, but his scoring rate remains as prolific as, as ever. Delighted boss Bruce Riock said he's played brilliantly. He has had a fine season. Sheringham started the route in the first minute, heading home a Paul Stevenson free kick. His second came in the 51st minute, a simple tap-in from an Alex Ray cross. And his hat-trick was completed nine minutes later when he looped in a header. Number four in the 66th minute came from a John McGlashan's pass. We'll come back to John McGlashan because his name caught my eye there. Uh, Darren Garner's crisp 35th minute volley was Plymouth's only reply. Man of the match was Sheringham for the Daily Mirror. The middle team that day was Brannigan, Cunningham, Kenny Cunningham, Keith Brannigan, Kenny Cunningham, Ian Dawes, Gary Waddock, David Thompson, Alan McCleary, Paul Stevenson, John Goodman, Teddy Sheringham, Alex Ray, John McGlashan, and the two subs, Darren Morgan and John McGinley. Some good players in that team. This would be the 1990-91 season that would end in um, playoff heartbreak versus versus Brighton, of course. Um, just looking at the Plymouth team, um, Name there, Danny Salmon, who got moved to, to Plymouth. He's playing for the, for the Plymouth side for this game. Um, John McClashan caught my eye. And I, the reason he caught my eye is that something stick in your mind forever. Um, and I remember being in a queue to pay my petrol for my petrol at the BP station on Kimbrook Park Road back in the early 90s when McClashan was still with us. Um, and for some reason, he was in the queue wearing a, a Millwall uh, shell suit in front of me paying and there was a conversation about um, him buying a Scottish I think it's the Sunday record he was buying it because he was a Scottish player born in Scotland and the guy behind the till was saying that's a Scottish paper mate you don't want to be reading that and he said yes I do because I am Scottish and that that moment this little image from you know all those years gone past have stayed in my mind um, so I thought, let's, let's look at John McGlash and whatever became of him. He was a distinctive-looking bloke, um, a big guy, as I remember, um, friendly face, looking at the images of him here, but I was surprised to see that he actually um, he, he passed away, which was quite a, quite a shame to see, and I wasn't aware of this. So um, I thought it might be nice just to include a, a very short piece about John McGlash, and I'm just looking at his Wikipedia Page, born 1967, 3rd of June. He passed away in January 2018. Uh, Scottish football player manager, born in Dundee in Scotland. He played as a midfielder. Various clubs, um, playing for Montrose before he joined us in 1993. 16 appearances, so not many appearances for the first team uh, before he went on loan to Fulham. Um, then various other clubs, Cambridge, Peterborough, Rotherham, back up uh, home to Dundee. Simon Arbroath, Ross County, and and Dundee Violet. I don't know that that club. It must be a small local side up there. Interestingly, and I'd forgotten this, he managed the Mill Lionesses whilst he was in London, which was uh, you know he also managed Dundee Violet, uh, Arbroath, Tayport, and then Dundee Violet again. Um, I was unaware, and I wanted to belatedly express my sadness to read that he passed away in, t in January 2018 after a battle with motor neuron disease. I wasn't aware that he suffered with it and I wasn't aware he passed away to my to my shame. Um, he was a good player. He was a, a, a skillful midfielder as memory serves. He didn't make enough of a an impact at the den, but a skillful man. Just by way of a the strangest tribute ever, I'm going to read um, an article I found whilst he was at our broth 
Um, it's like a like a like the old shoot kind of um, you know uh, player profile type things. So this would be in sometime in the mid mid two thousands, I guess. Um, age John McGlashan at the time thirty seven. He died when he was fifty in twenty eighteen. So yeah, about two thousand five, he would have done this. Star sign Gemini. His favourite TV programme was Still Game. I don't remember Still Game. Um, he enjoyed travelling. His favourite city was was London. His pin-up was Donna Air. Um, there's the name from the past, Donna Air. Um, his favourite goal, he says, was um, against Berwick on the final day of last season. This would be, as I say, early 2000s. We won 3-1. Um, I think he was playing for our broth at the time. Uh, we won 3-1 for our broth, and my strike was the clincher that secured our place in the Scottish second division. Um, his favourite insult was an old bloke at Forfar who once shouted, hey, McGlashan, if your feet could move as quickly as your mouth does, you'd be some player. Um, quite a character, quite a character, I think. Um, so there we are, John McGlashan, John McGlashan, um, RIP, 1967 to 2018. So there we are, dear listeners. As I say, it's a bit of um, odds and ends, odds and odd, odds, bits and pieces, this edition. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm going to try and get it out this afternoon ahead of the Luton game tonight, which I shall be following avidly on, on the iFollow. I hope you're enjoying these kinds of shows. Do get in touch with us, Achtung Millwall at gmail.com you can message me on twitter at Achtung Millwall my DMs are open as they say contact me there you can get me on Instagram nickhart765 or you can leave me a, a, a voicemail on the answer phone I, I wish people would use the, the, voice, the answer phone more because they're great they're great for the shows and I'd love to hear from you it's 0208 144 0232 I'd love it, particularly love it, if any of our foreign listeners from overseas, wherever you may be on, on this planet, if you could dial in the reasons and tell us the reasons why you're following me wall, that would be good if you're living in, um, I don't know, downtown um, Arkansas, Little Rock, Arkansas, or somewhere like that, and you follow me, I'd love to know why. Um, so from abroad, it's plus four four two oh eight one four four oh two three two. That's plus four four. 208-144-0232. Leave us a voicemail. I don't answer the phone. You don't have to talk to me. I'm going to exchange any, any conversation with people. Just go straight through to a voicemail and you can leave it to your heart's content and they're great for inserting into the show. So there we are, dear listeners. Enough old waffle. Um, here's hoping for three points tonight and the playoff run to continue and the wild prospect that we might have some fans back if we can make it through to the... Uh, the lotto that is the playoff football so until tomorrow when I'm recording with Mike Hayden and I hope and I hope Aaron Paul my name is Nick Hart Arriva Dirty Millwall and bye for now thank you for listening to Aston Millwall if you enjoyed the show please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review Arriva Dirty Millwall till next time
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.